guys, welcome. Uh, this is obviously a little bit different than normal. What's up, Nancy? Um, this is a little different than how we normally start things off. And uh, we are just finishing up a four-week series on relationships, and we wanted to end it with a Q&A. So if you follow us on Instagram, we've been uh, accepting questions for a while, and we, we all just like, as a young adult team, there's like questions that we get all the time about relationships. What do I do in this situation? Is it wise to do this? What does the Bible have to say about this? So we decided as, as we end this series that we would do uh, a panel, a live podcast recording on relationships. So if you uh, aren't uh, involved, we have a podcast that we throw all of our sermons on, as well as a podcast called Open Mic, where we get into a little bit more details, and we've done that through our dating relationship series. So if you haven't, look for that on Spotify, Apple Music, all that good stuff. So uh, will you help me join in, in welcoming D-Chan and Coco? What up? What's up, guys? Uh, in starting this, I'm so excited because, guys, it is, it is by far one of my biggest dreams in life to replace Chris Harrison on The Bachelor. Um, I thought for, since a young age, I've wanted to do that. Probably from the year 25 on, I thought that that was like my calling in life. And then they replaced him and it wasn't me. So I feel like this is as close to like, what's it called, after the final rose as I'll ever get to. Um, so I'm just excited to be here. I'm just excited to, I'll do my best Chris Harrison tonight uh, as we help answer some questions. But um, I want to start things off when we talk about relationships um, one of the questions that came in are, was um, there's a lot of pressure that's around dating, um, in, especially like the beginning of a relationship, asking someone out, um, especially in like a Christian community or a small Christian community like ours. Um, D-Chan, will you, will you start us off in talking about like what are some of those pressures that people might feel as they, as they start thinking about dating or wanting to date someone? Yeah, so I think within a Christian community, uh, we feel a lot of pressure from dating. Uh, I think a lot of it's influenced by, by society and the world and media. Um, I think some of the pressures, though, um, that comes with this is this, we fall into this lie of, like, this might be it. This might be, only, might be my only shot with dating. So what happens if, like, man, if we go, if someone asks you out on a date, if you're a girl, and you're like... Oh, should I say yes? Should I say no? But what if he's not the one? What if I don't marry him? This could be it. He'd be the only guy left. And then you, you go in this deep spiral. Or if you're a guy, you're like, well, she said no. I guess that's it. And I think we, what we're trying to do with this, um, this panel is to alleviate that pressure because at the end of the day, like, our purpose isn't to be fulfilled in another human. Uh, it shouldn't be this complicated, right? I think as humans, we all here can agree that, that we tend to overcomplicate things. And the hope of tonight is to really alleviate some of that pressure into, into dating uh, because I think we up here on stage and as a team, as a high street, we believe that God wants and supports godly relationships. And I think we were talking in the back earlier, we are like, man, we, we hope some relationships come out of tonight. Um, so if you're here and you're like, man, these are some things that I feel called to and like maybe grow in or I feel like equipped at, go on a relationship, go on a date, not go on a relationship, go on a date. Go on, and a, go on a date and then have fun on that date. And then understand as you go on that date, it's not your last shot. It's not your soulmate. It is not the only fish in the sea, as they say. So. so what are some of those, like, sources of pressure? Like, where do those come from? Or, like, 
What would you say about that, Coco? Yeah, I think some of the pressure comes from just like, first off, are they going to say yes? And that can just be scary for guys, I assume. Um, but, you know, the, the it is. I know it is. Uh, but I think the pressure of like, man, if I ask them, if I go out on this limb and ask this person, are they going to say yes? And that might be a barrier for some people and be like, you know, I'm just not going to do it. Uh, or they're like, the girl is like, maybe they feel like, this is something we need to debunk tonight. But if I say yes, then like he's everything I want in a guy. And so I'm saying yes to my future. Mm -hmm. And I think that might be a false pressure that we have on ourselves of like, I have to know 100% right now that I would marry him. And so, yes, but we, I think we can just like take the pressure off. And, uh, you know, we were talking earlier just as we were preparing for this. And one of the things I think is just super helpful is like, as we do date other people, um, then we can look to honor one another. The Bible talks about how we can honor one another in Romans and like look to outdo each other in honor. And so if that's like our goal is to love each other and serve each other, um, instead of being like, man, that was a terrible date. And I tell all my friends, I'm like, hey, I'm going to like honor them and bless them as I go. But like, maybe it just didn't work out. And so I think if we have a goal of like, hey, let's try to honor each other. Um, and like all of us in this room, guys, we could just like look to honor people. And so as we date, it's like, if it didn't work out, it's okay, because we're not going to go bash that person afterwards, but we're going to bless them as we go. One of my favorite stories is there were two people that were in our community. They were actually interns at the time, and I was close with this guy, and he came to me, and he was like, there's this girl. I think I'm going to ask her out. What do you think? I was like, she, she seems great. You should go for it. Went for it, asked her out. They went on a date. Um, he was like, lo loved the, their date. He texted her afterwards, hey, I, I think it was the next day, and said, hey, I had a ton of fun. I'd love to do this again. And then she texted back and said, hey, thank you. Uh, I had a lot of fun as well, but I'm not feeling it, um, and, and I appreciate the way that you treated me, and our, our date went really well, but I, I don't necessarily want to move forward. And he was obviously bummed because he felt it, and she didn't, but um, they honored each other in the way that they were clear with each other, and I remember him saying, like, I was proud of him, and I told him, like, man, I think that's great because you guys honored each other. And he was like, man, if she wanted to date one of my friends, I feel like we left it in a way where she, she could. And that's like so rare because normally if a relationship doesn't work out or even a date doesn't work out, what do you do? You go to your friends and you're like, man, let me tell you all the things that didn't work about, about her, why she was awkward, why this didn't work. And like instead of that situation, they both honored each other and they both like were in our community. They both finished their internship and it didn't seem awkward because they chose to honor each other that whole time. Like... Uh, Coco, you said, like, we should be leaving each dating relationship better. Um, that's what they did. They, they left each relationship, or they left each of, each of those things um, better. Are there any other, like, pressure things that you guys think through? Let's see. I think one of the other pressures is, like, where do you go to? Like, like do we date within the community that we're in, or do we, do we go outside of this community? I think... Um, my personal opinion, uh, I would say you would go date in the community that you're in if you're within godly community. Obviously, if you're not within wise counsel, godly, godly counsel, maybe stay away from that. Uh, but if you're within godly community, it is not a bad thing to look around your godly community and see, oh, wait, maybe that's a potential option, potential person. Because the argument would be that, like, is it good and safe? Is it too risky to date someone in young adults, someone that I know from my mixed small group that goes to the same church? Um, but Coco, what would you say about that? Is it, is it too risky? Is it good? Is it bad? Are there pros and cons? Yeah, I think no risk, no reward. So uh, if the you... risk it to get the biscuit. I get exactly. that. Come on, Coco. So Preach. If, you, if you don't take a risk, then you might not 
you know, have a relationship. But um, I think you should. Like, our, we're up here and we're like, guys, I think God is honored when there's godly relationships uh, that display, like, his, his, who he is. And so we would encourage people to date in this relationship knowing that, like, hey, we're going to honor each other. We're going to take the pressure off. We're not going to be like, you are my person from day one. But we're just going to, like, get to know each other more uh, and get to know each other better because you want, to, you want to date people who are following after Jesus. And so look around this community. If you see somebody like that, then um, ask him on a date, and hopefully that person will say yes. Uh, and if they don't say yes, ask someone else because maybe they will say yes. So just keep trying. Because I think, I mean, one of the things we talked about is, like, what's one of the fears within dating in, like, someone else that's like maybe in your friend group or adjacent to your friend group. And one of the things I think that we talked about early, one of the pressures is like, what if you get rejected? And then it's like, the girl can go back and be like, you never guess who asked me out. And like, but if your goal is honoring each other and your goal is like, not to disparage each other, but to honor each other, like there's no disgrace in that. So like, if you get rejected, it's hard and it does hurt. But I think, I think one of the things you have to remember through rejection, whether it's like, you get rejected for a job or you get rejected in any fashion, it's easy to start believing a lie of like, yep, I'm the worst. I, I, I don't have anything good to bring to the table. I stepped out on a limb and I tried something and it's just not good. And I think that's where you have to like take a step back and remember who you are in Christ. And I know that feels like a big step back, but it's like if, if you remember who you are in Christ, you know that you're loved by God. You know that you are forgiven. You know that all those faults that you're like thinking of might be true. That you're like, man, there's some truth to these faults that I, that I can convince myself I have. But like Christ died for all of those faults. All of those faults have been nailed to the cross. All those past mistakes have been nailed to the, to the cross. So while those faults might be true, that's not what you rest on. You rest on that God has made you new. You rest on that God has changed you. And you go, okay, I got rejected but I don't live for man's approval. I live for God's approval. So I'm going to be okay. Is it hard? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I think one of the things we talked about before this is like some of the, what are some of the pros to dating in our community or someone that you know well um, that maybe you can start to see like where they are in, in their community? Yeah, I think one of the pros of dating in godly communities, you will get to see their life firsthand. Uh, I think that there's a difference between like just finding someone off the street, and, and there's you're gonna have more precautions. Not or an you app. Go, yeah, or an app. Or an not app. that an app Either is way, bad. Don't just pick somebody up off the street if you don't know them. Um, but one of the benefits of of being community is not only do you get to watch your lives when they're not one on one with you, but you get to watch your lives when they're with other people, right? You get to see how they deal with maybe adversity, how they deal with struggles that maybe they've communicated with you. Um, that's one thing, but how do they communicate it with other people? How are they dealing with emotions? How are they dealing with um, adversity? And then more than that, you can go to your community and ask them, hey, like, what is your opinion of this person? Um, they, they've said this thing, and it seems like it's true, but I, wanna, I want to come to you as one of your closest friends, the people who get to see their lives firsthand if, if this is true. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things is we see in the Bible is how do you see if someone's legit? You see their fruit, and you see their fruit. A lot of the times it shows up in your community that they're in. So, Yeah, one of the best things that someone ever told me when I was dating my now wife was when you get married, you're not just marrying a singular relationship. You are, but you also are taking on who they are to everyone else. So when I married Tyler, I, I accepted who she is to everyone else. So I, that like changed my perception of, man, me and Tyler are good and that's all I need to worry about. 
Because, you know, it's easy once you have a good thing to isolate, to insulate, to not be around anybody else. And it's like, well, me and, me and you are good. And then you start to see this crumbling from the inside and you don't really know why. But it changed my perception to see like, man, Tyler has good close friends. She has people that she trusts. She has people that know her well. She has people that are invested in her life and she's invested in theirs. So it was like, these are, these are some traits that I really want to see. These are good things that I want to see in, in a, a prospective wife that like seeing how she is to everyone else was such a good and helpful thing um, that, that helped me understand who she was as a, a, future, um, a future wife. Um, Coco, one of the questions that kind of comes along in this that like it's hard to date in our community knowing that like if you go out on a date or five dates um, or you're get, you get rejected, um, how do you honor someone and keep moving forward? How do you like trust again after your heart was broken, after pain, after a breakup? What would you say to that? Yeah, I think it's really hard. Like relationships can be really messy. Um, and if you're feeling that like pain right now, like I just want to say I'm sorry because I know that can be really, really hard. Um, but I think after you go through something like that, maybe the the thing that you, you're like, I just can't get past trusting people again because it hurt too much. Uh, but I think we have to remember that like we all are sinners and in need of God's grace on the regular, like literally daily. And so we have to remember that because that helps us to put it into perspective that if one person maybe did something wrong to me or just really I'm in a, in a rough spot because of that, then we have to remember like, man, that, he, that person does not, you know, show me who all the other guys are because of this one person. He doesn't represent every other person. Um, and I think also literally bringing that to the Lord and saying, God, like, I'm so struggling because I'm having a hard time trusting again. Will you help me? And God can change your heart, and he can help you to be able to trust again. Um, and so God is totally capable to do that. So I would just say bring it to God and ask him to change your heart. Um, but then also, like, really just remember that, like, man, we are all sinners, and we're all kind of on the same playing field. So it's like, okay, I just need God's grace regularly. That other person that hurt me needs God's grace, um, and he has it to offer to us. So, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, to add on a little bit to that, um, as, you, as you get off a relationship, you finish relationship, it, it's normal to feel heartbreak, right? Even if it's like a healthy degree, you, it's normal to feel sad. It's okay to feel sad. I will say it's not okay if you keep dwelling on it. Um, and, and that just might take time from different people. Some people process things shorter. Some people think processing um, longer. And then when, when you're fully processing that, pro, uh, that process and you're trying to get back into the dating scene and you're trying to figure out, man, I don't know if I can trust people again. Um, I, I beg the, I want to ask this question. Is it more of a trusting people? Like, I have a hard time trusting a girl or a guy, or is it I have a hard time trusting God? Because in that moment, what happens, and this is from a personal experience, is like we can get cynical, right? When things go bad, we get cynical as humans. We, we stop believing God's goodness that, oh, it's, that person got it. That person got in a relationship, got married, but that wouldn't be me. And so I think I want, like, for you, the encouragement here is to take the step back. To, to really just take a couple of steps back, really remind yourself what the gospel is. Remind yourself that your purpose isn't another person. And as you get to that point, come back out and be like, well, God, I think it might not be a guy or girl thing. It might be, I don't believe that you have something good for me. But, but if we see in scripture that if a dad, if a father can give his kids good gifts, how much more can our heavenly father give good gifts to us? Those good gifts just might look 
like something else. It might not be something we expected, but it might be something in that season that we needed that's going to prepare us for that next season. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, that's good. One of, one of the other questions that we had around, like, dating within a group of believers or how should that look or what, what could that be like, um, how do you invite other people into your relationship and, and how does that help? Dechan, you're getting ready to get married. Can you, can you give us an idea of maybe what that's looked like for you as far as like, how does that help? Do you need it? Um, is it appropriate? Because that is a little anti-culture like, of why yeah. would I need you in yeah. my, my romantic relationship? Yeah, for sure. And, and I think even from a firsthand experience, I am a very, like I said, a little bit more pessimistic of humans, if I can be very vulnerable up here, um, growing in that, thankfully. But it, it's so important to have people in, in your relationship to, to speak truth into it. You speak wisdom into it. Me and Carolyn, we have such an incredible group of friends that we get to go to. We were just celebrating a birthday, one of them, the, like yesterday. Um, but the benefit of that is you get both sides because what happens when you're in a relationship and as you continue to progress you grow in intimacy you, you go in affection you can also start getting jaded right what you start foreseeing or, or stop seeing the things that could be potential red flags not in the sense that would end the relationship but like hey these are areas that you might have let linger too much that you're not choosing to grow in um, and when we have people come into our relationship one it gives us godly community to keep us accountable um, whether it is our walk with God or with purity um, because I don't know about you guys I'm human and as we grow in affection you can potentially struggle with physical purity and what happens with having good uh, friends and good accountability is you have those people to talk to in those moments to confess sin um, and, and honestly, it seems like the world says the more people you invite, it could be more of like a, a weak thing. But I would say that provides more freedom because it, it adds this, um, this boundary that's going to help you see God's design for what a real relationship is supposed to look like. So. Yeah, uh, one of, we, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but there's a book uh, by Matt Chandler called The Mingling of Souls that's like a commentary through Song of Solomon. And it really helped me understand this verse. Song of Solomon 2.15 says, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, are vineyards that are in full bloom. And you're like, what in the world do little foxes have to do with vineyards about relationships? Um, and it is weird because uh, it's a poetic book about uh, two people's growing uh, romantic relationship. But what that's speaking of is these people have this growing relationship and the idea is that these two people are growing and cultivating a vineyard together. And what he's saying is that there are foxes that are coming in and ruining the relationship, that are robbing it of its fruit. Um, and we're in it. We're like working in it. So we don't see how the foxes are getting in and out. So we need someone from the outside that can see it at a distance, see it with perspective, and see it for what it is, and see what they are and go, that's where they're getting in at. And it's helpful to have someone that knows you and loves you, but also isn't in your relationship to go, y'all are bickering a lot, and that's not fun to be around. Or like, you guys are cold, or you guys are, are cynical, or you guys are like these little things that you can, in a relationship, you're like, ah, oh, that's just how we are. But you need somebody from the outside that can spend time with you, and, and that you invite into that like inner circle of like, man, you have my best interest in mind and I'm giving you permission to tell me because I want my relationship to honor and glorify God. And I, I want you to insert yourself. I'm inviting you to do that. That's what that little verse means about catching for us the foxes. Um, I want to ask you guys, this is one of the questions that we had come in. What are 
um, I can't remember how it was phrased, sneaky, subtle, subtle red flags, and then what are some green flags? So what are some, so we all know what red flags are. It's like you, you know, yelled at a waitress or something like that. That's obviously not ideal. Um, you know, you don't want that. Drop them. Um, but also, like, what are the subtle ones that might, like, live underneath the surface a little bit that are a little harder to see? Yeah, that's a good one, subtle red flags. Because we all hear red flags, and we can pretty much point out what are some, like, blaring red flags. Um, some of the subtle ones is, like, man, if they're not connected and highly invested in the local church, I think that's huge. Like, if they are, like, hey, I'm a Christian, but I don't do the church thing. Or if they're, like, hey, I'm a Christian, but I just I just come, but I don't, I don't feel like I want to use my gifts in the church. Uh, that's a red flag because uh, Jesus set the example of serving one another. And so we want to serve other people in the church and use our gifts in the church. So if someone is, like, hey, like, I want to date you, but I'm not invested in the church, I would definitely think that is a subtle red flag. And I would say that on the opposite end, the green flag is they are highly invested. They're serving. They have a heart for the Lord, heart for the church. Uh, then I would be like, yeah, go for that. That's good. Yeah, I think, like, that's honestly a pretty good precursor towards if you get into a relationship with that person. If they're serving at a church, because most of the time people come serve at a church aren't paid, if you guys didn't know. The, the, the young adults team or the teams on Sunday, all the people that come through, they come in with a full week's worth of work. Or, or on Tuesday, people come in from work working nine to fives and like serving here. I think that is a precursor towards if you get into marriage because as you marry each other, it's not a 50-50. It's a hundred and hundred thing. And you want you don't want someone to just pick up the slack in the sense of, oh, I'm poured out, you're poured out. We're just going to sit here and be sad. Like, no. Like, like someone's got to eventually carry the load of that, right? Um, so I think serving's one. I think another one is potentially lack of clarity. Um, lack of clarity, if, if you're a... Uh, uh, let me just address the fellas in the room. All right. Go for it. Again. Brace myself. I'm going to brace myself. Too. Okay, guys, like <laughs> lack of clarity. I think we, we live in a world where, where as men we struggle to communicate our feelings, and that could really play into everything else we do. In, in this case, we're talking about relationships. It plays into that person you're trying to date. Um, so with a lack of clarity, that could look like, oh, I like this girl. But I'm not going to man up to go ask her out. And I get it. It's scary. But, but man, instead of just saying, like, swipe up, like your thing, uh, I'll comment on your thing, I'll do the Snapchat thing, I'll, I'll text you in on end on end, let's go hang out. Um, that, that's a red flag because what that, what that is, it's not a relationship. Y'all just playing friends. It's a friendationship, okay? And, and I think if you want to be in a relationship, be committed, um, but girls yeah. like clarity, for girls sure. Girls love clarity, and clarity yeah, is kind. right? Can I get an amen from the Clarity ladies? is kind. Come, Come on. on. And I think the ways to do that, understanding that communication is hard. I am learning that. We're going, me and Caroline are going through premarital, and one of the things we're talking about is communication. And communication, to me, is really hard because, one, I'm an only child, so I've only had to really think for myself. But with these red flags, I think they're... they're become from subtle to really red is when you understand you have a problem, you understand that there's an area that you might be able to grow in, and you choose not to grow into it. So I think, like, if you're someone in here and you're like, if you're a guy, you're like, maybe I'm lacking clarity in this area. Choose to grow into it. Choose to seek wisdom. Choose to seek um, friends who can, like, hey, what are your thoughts? What have you done? Um, and that's one of the things 
I think. Anything else? Yeah, that's good. No, I think I think clarity is a huge, huge thing because girls want to know what's going on. So if you're just like texting the person and you're like, I don't know, I think we're just texting. Like, awesome. we want to know, like, oh, is this is this is this person interested? Or are we just like friends? Are we, we going bowling? Because I yeah, need to are know. We, is it a group thing or should, yeah. I, should I bring a friend? Are we in the same lane at bowling yeah. <laughs> or, or yeah. maybe not? Yes. Who's paying exactly. for the cheese fries? Where are we at? <laughs> So I think clarity is a huge thing. So our encouragement to you, all the guys out there, that if you like somebody, again, it goes back to, like, no pressure. Like, drop the pressure a little bit and just be like, hey, I'm not going to put all this pressure on me that I have to know that I know that I know that I want to marry this person. You can just be like, hey, I want to get to know you better because that's the point of dating is to get to know somebody better to see if there is a future. Um, And if there's not, like, it's okay. Like, it's okay to say, hey, like, I'm actually, I, I'm not feeling it. And I think that sometimes that can be a scary thing, but th- there's no pressure, so. For me, I would say that a big one is uh, the ability to be selfless, because I think that's a marker of, I mean, Christ was obviously selfless. That's an evidence of the fruit of the, fruits of the Spirit growing in you. And, like, you can't be serving in the church and be selfish, like, you can be, probably, but, like, it, you're consistently doing it over a long period of time. You're going to see how you treat other people. Um, if you have um, a, a, to watch them be in a, even a friendship, uh, another red flag I would say is, like, if you don't have close friends, if, you don't, if they don't have people that know them deeply, and, like, you go on your first date, and they just, like, unload this emotional vomit on you, and you're like, you had a lot pent up. You had a lot in there. Are you okay? Does anyone know about all these things that are going on in your life? And you're like, this is just it. Like, it takes, it takes selflessness. It takes selflessness to be a good friend. Because you have to show up when the other person is not ready, willing, and able to be a good friend and be there during hard times. Have they been through difficult situations? Um, can, they, can they be there for someone when it doesn't benefit them at all? Um, I think is a big marker of that. And if they're not known by anybody, marriage does not equal, like when you put this wedding band on, I remember, I remember this so vividly. Me and my wife got, we, we finished our wedding ceremony. Pastor Eddie married us. We walked down the aisle. People cheered for us. And then we like went to this like edge of the woods to go take pictures. And I looked at her, I was like, we're married. And I was like, how do you feel? And she goes, exactly the same. Like, <laughs> It's a joke, but like the married people in the room can tell you like nothing happens where you're like, my heart has just not stopped fluttering. It might be like a moment in the day. Like it is special and fun and magical. But I remember coming down from the aisle and we were like, I feel exactly the same. And that is true. Nothing happens because you start to live together. That's like, oh, this is great. We get to share a bed and now everything is, is perfect. Everything is fine. It's probably more annoying uh, living with someone for the first time. And you can say amen about some roommates um, that you're like, man, it, it's, I, I'm learning more. And that you don't just become selfless because you have a wedding band on. You don't just become selfless because you went through a ceremony. Like that's something that you need to see in someone in little and small and clear ways that you're like, I've seen them be selfless. I've seen them go visit their grandmother when they could be out doing a hundred other things. I've seen them stop and help someone when they don't need to. I've seen them give them themselves and be selfless. Um, any other any other subtle red flags? I think one we have to address is if they are um, have a critical spirit. 
I think that one's subtle where you're like, oh, it's fine. But like if that's always a thing that uh, they just have a critical spirit, man, that doesn't honor the Lord. And so um, you might be like, that's just who they are. Like they're always complaining about something. But look for the fruit of the spirit in people. And if you see them, then that's awesome. If you see the lack of them, like run the other direction because you want to uh, do this life with someone who is also pursuing the Lord 100% and uh you're looking for the fruit. So look for the fruit. Look for the small obedience, like Jared said. I think that's huge. It's like they can say yes to God in big things, but can they say yes to, like, doing the small things too, um, being consistent, showing up to serve, showing up to your job on time? That's a, that's a big thing too. Doing the dishes is like 40% of marriage. I promise you. It, it, you. Y'all are half laughing, but it's Ben Shanks shaking his, not in his head, because he's like, it's, it, and I, I'm serious. You're like, man, when we get married, we're going to it is so much normal that it's like if you don't learn how to how to love the normal with somebody, it's not all magical. Like it's not all incredible. There are pieces of it that you're like, this is such, this is so good. But it's also like y'all are gonna have to figure out who's gonna do your taxes. Like it's all very normal, and you better love some regular with this person, or it's not gonna be great. D Chain, any other thoughts, or should we should we move on? I think we can go. Continue. Okay. Um, any green flags, or do we address all those? Got them. Okay. Um, okay. One of the questions that we get are about boundaries. So we're, we're going to talk about that for just a minute. Um, Coco, will you just kind of explain the thought process behind like a guardrail that you might want to have? Not like a specific one, but like why would you set up a boundary in the first place? Um, what's the danger of not setting up a boundary maybe? Yeah. Do you guys know what guardrails are? Like when you're driving? One time, this is a quick story, as I was learning to drive, I did hit a guardrail. So I'm sorry, Dad, Mom, for, for doing that. But I did learn my Sick. lesson. But I was too close to the guardrail, which is something that protects you from getting to, like, a, a bad situation. So essentially, you could be on the edge of something, and you're still okay. You're in a good spot. Um, but a guardrail is, like, a little bit further so that you're like, I'm not going to go to the edge, and I'm not going to do, do that. But I really think of, like, the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians, flee from sexual immorality. And one of the questions was like, man, how do I set up boundaries with dating relationships? Like physical boundaries. Physical boundaries, yeah. yeah, with dating relationships. And, um, you know, if your goal is to honor God in everything you do, then, man, that's going to be the lens. And I think asking what is not how far can I go, but what's the wise thing to do? Um, and so, like, as you're evaluating that, we talked about community, letting community in on that. Um, man, Talk about boundaries with your person and then say, hey, I'm going to share this with my roommate. I'm going to share this with my mentor um, so that they can keep me accountable. And hopefully that person also has someone to do that for. But I really think when we set ourselves up for success, like it's going to be like hard, but uh, it's going to be so worth it uh, to save that for marriage and really set up these boundaries because that equals freedom. Boundaries equal freedom. So um, I think setting those up ahead of time is huge. And we talked about this too, like, you know, as a as a woman, we'd like for the guy to have that conversation first. But ladies, I'm here to say, like, if the guy hasn't brought it up yet, don't be afraid to just like gently uh, say, hey, like, I would love to have a conversation about what boundaries could look like maybe within the next week. So you don't have to be like, now is the time, like we are talking about this, put them on the spot. But you can definitely uh, ask them about it. Because I've talked to a lot of girls even here that have been like, okay, they haven't brought it up. Is it bad? Would I be leading if I did that? Uh, but I think you'd rather protect your boundaries and really look to honor God. But guys, seriously, have the conversation uh, because you can lead in that way. And it doesn't have to be a scary thing. Um, and I think really communicating about those boundaries on a regular basis, like always checking in with those. 
Yeah, and I think, like, for the guys in the room, it, it from our perspective, I think it could be something that's super heavy and super, like, tense. It, it might feel weird. And to a degree, sure, because maybe you've never been in a relationship. I can tell you right now it's, it's worth it. Um, and try to do it as early on in the relationship as you can once you become, you know, BF, GF, what do you want to call that? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you set those up quick, and you can either do it, let's go get coffee, set an appointment up with each other. And it's not like, hey, this, 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 and this, but just, hey, let's go get coffee. This is something that, that people in our community or something that's been on my heart of like, hey, this is something I value, um, and I would love to have that conversation. It's not that deep, and it's not that awkward. What it is, it's really worth it. Because if you think from a guardrail perspective, I think, I think a couple of weeks ago, Logan talked about um, – Cash, that boy be running out on the yard. He says, Cash, you got to come back and not go out to the street because what happens is there's cars on the street, right? And, and within that boundary, we think of boundary as something negative, but I think of it as like a guardrail. It allows us to truly um, as, truly fulfill, I guess, what God's designed for what a relationship supposed to look like, uh, truly experience uh, what a relationship supposed to look like. And, and I think it's important because physical boundaries – are, are a protective thing because I think one of the lies we get is, man, once you get into marriage, all these struggles go away. But I, I feel like the reality is that none of these struggles go away. They probably just start intensifying as you have to deal with real life stuff. Um, so how, how would you guys talk about uh, physical boundaries? What are some physical boundaries if someone has maybe potentially crossed that line? How do we come back from that? Yeah, I think if you've already crossed a physical boundary, I think in setting boundaries, you have to know where um, your history lies. Like, we're going to talk about emotional and even spiritual boundaries here in a minute. And, like, if you know that you have a proclivity to a certain issue, you, you need to address that. And if it's with the person that you're currently dating and you know that, like, we've gone too far further than we want to go, you need to be very clear in setting it up. The boundary, not, not right next to the edge, but a couple of feet in inside of that making sure that that's not just like if we hit this boundary of like I'll just give an example I know someone that said um, I'm not gonna kiss before I get married and you're like okay that seems like a boundary that's real far in but they were like I know that if I start kissing someone my body will not let me stop until we go down that cliff so he was like if my guardrail is kissing someone and I hit that guardrail and I've made that mistake and that's where my boundary hits because um that's where I've set it up. If I make the mistake of just kissing someone and I know that that's the mistake, we're still doing okay. We're not, the, the world is not over because the boundary is set up so that you don't go down the cliff. So I think if you've already made that mistake, I think you have to be very clear in knowing what those problems are. I think about um, when Jesus talked about how if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. The, Jesus took holiness, and God takes holiness very seriously. Um, and you see the same thing in Hebrews 4.12 uh, that talks about, like, you, you should take it seriously. You shouldn't just, like, play with sin. Like, uh, uh, you, you might get there and figure it out when we get there. The attitude is, like, you should take it seriously. And God takes holiness very seriously. So I, I think you have to look at what are your issues how do you keep that from happening? And then I think the final step is like, tell somebody else. Tell your roommate, if you're serious, tell a mentor, tell your dad, tell somebody that you're like, hey, I'm giving you, I'm giving you permission to ask me, hey, have you been doing this? It, have you hit that guardrail? Because 
If you're serious about it, you're not going to just keep letting it happen. Uh, Hebrews 4.12, I just remember where it came from, says that if you, you have not even begun yet to struggle with sin to the point of shedding blood. And the idea is I think a lot of times we're like, man, I've been struggling with this. Okay, what's that struggle look like? To struggle is to be ripped back and forth between something and really put your, your, your struggle into it, put your difficulty into it, put your weight behind it. And I think a lot of times we look at our sin and we're just like, I wish I didn't do it. And it's this like kind of short-sighted attitude towards our sin when in all reality we need to be like struggling with it. And if you're struggling with it, asking for help will help someone else struggle with you and will help you to start to have success in that area. Yeah, and I think to remember there's forgiveness, like God offers forgiveness. So if you have crossed a boundary, crossed a line, you're like, man, I can never go back. Like there is forgiveness in Jesus, so seriously, thank the Lord. But um, I think you have to be so serious about about those boundaries, and you're going to have to sacrifice to do that. And it's going to be hard, but um, it's going to be worth it in the end, I really do think. So what about, um, we talked about physical boundaries. What about the idea of emotional boundaries? Where does that come from, like, why, why do you need to set up emotional boundaries within a dating relationship even? Yeah, I think with emotional boundaries, the reason for that is you don't want to get into a relationship too fast and, and then you dump your whole past on somebody because what happens is you open a, not a Pandora's box, but you open to a degree your life towards someone. And, and I think there is wisdom in, in taking your time. I think no one... If you ask anybody around, no one's going to be like, I regret taking my time and explaining my past and not rushing it. I think in Song of Solomon, it's talked about don't awaken love before it's time. And I think that that passage relates to premarital sex, but that principle still carries. And I think it's a principle that I was able to utilize and really sit on because, man, if for some reason me and Carolyn didn't work out, we would not have all these scars. We would not have all these baggage as we, we go our separate ways. And there's really no full commitment until really you get engaged. And I think, Coco, you said a good way to go about this is through you take it to God, and then, and then you go to your mentor, and then you go to community. Um, but I think that all this stuff comes with time. As you, as you grow in intimacy and you grow in trust more so with the other person, I think God and the Holy Spirit will give you discernment to, to have these conversations, whether it's about your past, whether it's about something um, that you really feel that just needs to be said. So, Yeah, and in James it talks about if you lack wisdom, you can ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom, and he can give that to you. And so as you're in relationships, yeah, we're like, don't emotionally dump on that person because they will be like, I'm not sure what to do. Um, so you definitely need to, if you're processing something that is maybe something from your past or something that's even hard in the moment, I think it's so good to go to God first and not, our tendency is to go to that person we're dating first and be like, here's the situation, walk me through this. And then that they're makes your us, everything. There are everything, exactly. So then it makes us codependent on that person. And until you're married, you are your own person. So uh, you need to make sure your relationship with God is where it should be. Um, and then so go to God first, go to maybe a trusted friend or a mentor that would point you to what scripture says. And then eventually you can go to your significant other. But it's not like, hey, help me work through this problem. It's, hey, I've been processing this problem and uh like, here's where I'm at with it. But I don't think you have to share everything, especially, like, towards the beginning. Like, I, I really think, like, you don't have to tell everything, every detail of everything uh, from your past yet. Because I think as time goes on, trust grows. And you can see if you want to spend the rest of your life with this person. And so if you, are, if you end up breaking up, then it's like, it's okay because 
I didn't cross any emotional boundaries. Like, we're still good. So. Yeah, one of the things that helped me understand this the most, um, my wife just texted me and she said, no one person is meant to carry every burden for you. There, there's that, that part of, in I think it's Galatians 5 or 6, that talks about how we carry each other's burdens. Um, that, that's meant to be like your boulder, like something crazy just happened in your life. You can't carry it. You don't know which way is up. You had a family member just die. You had, you had a bad, um, everything in your life is transition right now. Like you're moving cross country. You're taking a new job. Like those are burdens. But then it says that we each must carry our own load is like that burden gets, gets chiseled down into a backpack. Like it, that load is now something that I carry every day. It's still difficult that that death happened. It's still difficult that I'm in this week six of this transition, but it's inappropriate for me to call someone and be like, hey, we just had, you know, a, a death in the family two years ago. Can you help me? Like, no, I need to be processing that. And no one person is meant to carry that for you. And, and that's even true in marriage. We had a, um, a a marriage conference here at the church, and there was a Christian counselor named Kathy Wingo who came and spoke. She was so good, but one of the analogies that she made was um, she said that in, in wedding ceremonies, a lot of times people will do a unity candle, which there's nothing wrong with the unity candle, but she was like, I noticed this thing that was happening when you would go light your unity candle. You'd each have, you know, a, 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 lot, you know, a stick or something that you'd go light this candle, and then she was like, you have the candle in the center, and then what do you do with your individual one? You go, and you blow it out. And she's like, the attitude is because you are now one flesh, you stop being your own person. And she explained how, um, yes, you are one flesh, but you are still responsible for your uh, emotional, like, your burdens. So, like, I can't expect my wife to carry every, I, I don't expect her to be my spiritual discipline for me. I can't expect her to deal with my emotional issues for me. Do I share those with her? Absolutely. But I still am in charge of all those things myself. I'm still called to like regulate those, to work through those, to have people around me that can help me talk with me about these things. No one person can do that for you. No one person that just because they're the person that you ended up dating and marrying is going to just like, man, they have the answer to every question that you have. They have the fix to every emotional issue that you might come up. That's just not meant to be. That person's going to crumble under the weight of your emotional baggage, regardless of how much it is. So she used this analogy. She says, I have my house that represents my emotional, my physical, my spiritual life. My husband, has, she explained this, my husband has her house, his house, I'm confusing this up. We have, we have, our houses that we're both in charge of, and together we're cultivating this garden. Well, if I'm not taking care of my house, if my emotional life, my spiritual life is not what it should, that is going to spill out into the garden. He can't come in and fix all those things. He can help. He can see, man, you need to trim this. You need to clean this up. You need to do this. But he can't fix it for you. Like, you can help. You can point to good things. But the best situation that you can possibly have is I'm a healthy emotional, spiritual, physical person. My wife is a healthy, emotional, spiritual, physical person. So we come together and we make this garden together that is now good and growing and healthy. And that's how it's supposed to be. Not, listen, we're dating now, so I'm just going to open the floodgates and let you have this stuff that I don't have community, nobody's dealt with, nobody knows. I'm keeping these secrets. I'm selfish, so nobody, I've let nobody in. It's meant to be like, you're growing, everything's going well, and that's... Um, going well. 
Um, any any extra thoughts? Yeah, you? I think along that, as you, you talk about having your own responsibility, uh, in, in this case, your own house to deal with, whether it's spiritually, emotionally, uh, I think one of the boundaries that we account we encounter, but we don't talk about a lot, is spiritual boundaries. Uh, and with spiritual boundaries, it is essentially the boundary that is set in place um, for each person in that relationship to remember and to realize that their relationship with God is their relationship with God. Um, it, it isn't like a communal thing. It can be once you get in a relationship, but it has to be independent for it before it becomes a, a communal thing. I think one of the times, a lot of the times, uh, and I don't want to throw a blanket statement of every guy, but a lot of the young guys I meet in fraternities or who or just young in college, whatever, they'll, they'll come up to me and they'll tell me, and like, man, I'm like, how's your walk with God? They're like, it's great. Me and my girlfriend are going through a Bible study together. I'm like, what are you teaching her, dog? Like, for real. <laughs> like, 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 for real. Like, re- are you reading on your own time, or is it just you two together? And, and I think of Romans 12.1, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And I think your bodies, and what that means is we as Followers of Christ have that responsibility to grow in intimacy to Christ because what happens is as we grow closer to the Lord, we, our cup starts getting filled up. And then from there, we can pour out into, into the person we're dating. And I think of it in the sense of like this analogy of a triangle. Two of the, the girl and the guy should literally be at the base. And as you grow closer to God, I'm, I'm speaking right here as I'm moving up. Uh, as you grow closer to God, what happens is you guys are slowly meeting at the top. It's the crescendo, and that's how relationships should be uh, with spiritual boundaries. And any other thoughts there? And I think the question is like, okay, well, can I share with with the person like what I'm learning? And we would say, sure. Like, if you have something that God is teaching you, like that's not a bad thing to do. But if you're like, oh, I only read my Bible with my boyfriend, then that would be maybe a red flag that we're like, you got to do that on your own time because you are responsible for that, like what we've talked about. So it's okay to share, but maybe not. Um, it's depend. like depend on that time. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Okay, uh, one last question. Um, how this is, this, is, this is one of the ones that we got, um, very practical. How do you put yourself out there as a girl? Do you wait? 100% of the time for someone to come ask you out. You just have to kind of stand in the corner and not do anything. Is it appropriate to ask, what, where, where are we at? Ladies, this is a hard question. Um, but I think everyone is wondering what the answer is. Um, but I think literally go talk to somebody. If you're like, oh, they're cute. I'd want to get to know them. Just go talk to them. And sh- like you can show interest by having a conversation with them. Um, invite them to game nights. Invite them to hang out with groups of people. Um, you know, the question is, can girls ask guys out? It's up to you, honestly. But we said, like, pick your poison. Because if they aren't going to ask you out, do you want to talk on this, D-Chan? No, you should talk on it. Okay, okay. If they aren't going to be bold and ask you out, then maybe you're going to lead in that. And if that's what you want to do, uh, I do think, like, as a man, like, we want you to be the leader and uh, to show your intention. But I think, too, like, if you have interest in somebody, you can talk to that person and... um, but it's hard, y'all. It's hard. I don't know exactly. Yeah, I think to a degree, it's like one of the first things we say is we overcomplicate everything, right? Like, uh, I've heard this analogy that uh, guys are like pancakes and girls are like spaghetti. Um, guys are just pancakes because we're so simple. Layer, 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 layer. Girls are spaghetti. Y'all are like, 
right there. Uh, but with all the sauce and all the fixings. With that being said, what that means Syrup is guys. And butter. We've got some. Yeah, we, we got some maple syrup. Banana. I made some pancakes yesterday. Oof. I got a picture if you guys want to see it. Protein. Best. Yes. Protein nice. pancakes. Kodiak cake sponsor. Uh, but all that to say, we're simple. Like like the guy that you think super cool, super attractive, looks spiritual. He's a guy. So that boy, like, linear perspective, just like, oh, what am I eating for lunch? Oh, we just finished worship. What's you next? My shoes are untied. <laughs> Go up to the dude and talk to him. It, don't, like, put this much pressure on yourself because part of that is you're taking the fun away of dating. Like, as a girl, if, like we said, pick your poison, but... There's also no harm, I think, if you go up and just have a conversation because that's how you start anything, whether it's a relationship or a friendship. Um, you have to build some relational equity, unless you're on an app uh, or off the street. But build some relational equity, and then as you go, grow in trust, and then just engage. And then for some reason, I think as a girl, though, if you go up and, and get the boldness to ask a guy on a date, be aware that there might be rejection. And that's not a bad thing. I think that also goes from the guy's perspective. Um, when a guy asks a girl out, don't expect a yes, because there is free will and there's choice in this. Um, but don't all that to say, don't make it this hard. It, it's not that hard. It's not that complicated. God wants us to be in godly relationships. Go ahead and do it. I that's love, uh, somebody told me that uh, attraction is attractive. And here's, here's what that means, is that guys can be simple, and a lot of times we need somebody to come up and go, hey, did you notice when that girl came in the room, she lit up and she came and talked to you? Like, she didn't come talk to anybody else, and guys need that, like, did you notice this a little bit? To notice, like, hey, bro, that girl's into you a little bit. And guys can be simple and go, that girl's attracted to me? Sick. I never noticed her before. And that becomes attractive. And that's a truth of like, I just didn't consider that an option before. So guys, part of it's like, take the hint and, and ask somebody out on a date and see what happens because you never know and, and good things can happen. And then guys' friends, tell the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Help yeah. your friends that's out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything, about, uh, uh, anything else you want to say about this topic, d uh, I think I think we're good right there. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, guys, this has been, this has been good. I, I think God is for good relationships. Um, God is for godly relationships happening, and we're hoping that, like, good things happen. We're hoping that people get asked out on dates. We're hoping that God is honored, and, and uh, man, one of the best things that can happen is that godly families grow, and God is honored in all stages of life, whether it's single, dating, engaged, married. That's a, that's a big thing uh, that God wants us to do, and I think as we move forward in this as a community— our goal is to honor God and honor people. And if, like my friend who asked the girl out and it didn't work, their goal was to honor God and honor people. And they did that. And they could move forward with no shame, no difficulty, uh, because they put God first, they were clear, and they honored each other through it. And if you're looking for more information or like extra content or like what's a good book to read, like we would love to help you with that. You can check out Open Mic. Mingling of Souls is a great book. Um, but I want to give a quick word to like, this is such an important thing um, to us because as Logan and I are going through this, this is a fun topic because people enjoy thinking about like marriage, dating, engagement, like it's fun. 
But it's also tough because this is a lot of people's greatest pain that's wrapped up in this as well. And you might be here and you're like, there are some things that you said that are like, I can't attain that. I've already made this mistake. I've already, I've already done something that I'm not proud of. And I want to read uh, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, be imitators of God. He just talked about how you have new life in God in Ephesians 4. And then he said, therefore, because of those things, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. God gave himself up for you, and he gave himself up for your past, for what you did earlier today. God gave himself up for how you made a mistake in that relationship, and you're not defined by the history that you have in that relationship. One of my favorite things in the Bible is that there was a guy named David who God tabbed as the next king of Israel. He was anointed, and he made his greatest mistake as the king of Israel, and it was sexual in nature. It was adulterous. He slept with a woman who wasn't his wife, and then when it started to come out, he, he panicked and had her husband murdered, and she got pregnant. And I mean, it was just this ugly, ugly thing, but you see in Psalm 51, there's this attitude of repentance. There's this attitude of he can be new. It talks about, he, he says, cleanse me with hyssop and give me the heart of salvation. And when it says cleanse me with hyssop, the idea was what would happen when there was illness in a house. There was a lot of times leprosy, something that would be seen as like it is unclean, ceremoniously unclean. They would evacuate the house. And that, a lot of times if we're in the middle of sin, that's how it feels. You feel dirty. You feel like no one can be with you. No one can be around you. But the process was is that a priest would come in and cleanse the house with this, what's called hyssop, which is like a soap. It was, it was a natural disinfectant. And it would declare the house, once the priest came out, it would declare the house inhabitable again. And just because you have a past does not mean that you are not worthy of a good relationship or a good relationship with Christ. I think about this and it's not like, man, I can take this advice and become a good boyfriend or girlfriend or maybe I can be a decent husband one day in spite of the mistakes that I made. God doesn't just kind of clean up your life. He makes you new. And it says that we get to become imitators of Christ, walking in love, as Christ loved us, if you don't know it, God loves you deeply. And he doesn't just want to clean you up. He wants to make you new. So you're not defined by your sexual past. You're not defined by your dating history. You can be defined by Christ. If you believe in him. If you put your hope and your trust in him, he's what makes you new. He's what gives you life. He's what makes you qualified to have a good relationship. Not because your parents had a good one, not because your parents had a bad one, not because you don't have a history or do have a history. It's because of Jesus that gives you hope. So we can leave here with our heads lifted high, with hope in our hearts, because we have a God who says, you can walk like I walk because I love you. So we're going to pray, and we're going to end it a little differently.
We're just going to be done after this. But if that's you and you'd say, I've never done that before. Us three and our team are going to be over at Next Steps. And we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to celebrate with you about your new life with Christ. Um, but we'd love to answer questions for you, pray with you about any of these things, and pray over your future relationship. So we're going to pray, and then we'll end our service tonight. God, we love you. We're thankful for you giving us new life, you making our hearts inhabitable again, regardless of what our past and what our history looks like, God. I pray that our community would be defined by honoring each other, honoring you, uh, loving each other in the way that you've loved us, forgiving one another, but doing things in a way whether it's dating or just the way that we live or the way that we engage with the world around us with wisdom and with reflecting you to the people that were around. God, we love you. We thank you. Thank you so much in your holy name. Amen.